0: Welcome back to another episode of the Big DK Energy Podcast. My name is Danny Carenter or DK in the Big DK Energy. And I'm continuing my Atlanta-slash-Tennessee trip, and uh, we just recently had Dakota Freed, a really good friend of mine, and here's another good friend of mine from school who is really kicking ass and taking name in med school. He did six years of undergrad at the University of Central Florida, and is now uh, has one year left at the Ross University School of Medicine, having done work in Barbados, and then here in the States. And so he's going to just give a little uh description of what it's like in med life, what he's studying, and just. Other medical stuff that we could possibly learn to help better our daily lives. So, with that all being said and done, please help me introduce
1: today's guest, Mr. Ryan
0: Azarkale.
1: Well, thank you for that introduction, Danny. I uh, appreciate you making me blush, man. Uh, beautifully <laughs> said introduction. And let it be said, this is actually my first podcast. So, Big DK Energy has officially popped my podcast uh, cherry. So, <laughs> no one else I'd rather pop my chair than with you, Danny. Well,
0: you know I am honored that I can do that for you, Ryan. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, you've been interviewed quite a few times uh, by the Ross School of Medicine, haven't you?
1: Yeah, I have. It's been a great experience thus far. I'll go through the details of it, but luckily the opportunities have pre- pre- presented themselves to be interviewed by my school and contribute to some of their marketing. And I've, you know, gladly taken them up on those opportunities. So, never been camera shy. You know me. Um, I'm always happy to help out uh, anywhere, anyhow I can, especially for for friends and, and people and other people. But yeah, just going back to my whole med school process, as most of you guys know, med school is a four year plan. You know, I took six years to graduate from UCF. Did a couple of victory laps.
0: It's okay. It's a marathon, <laughs> yeah. not a sprint. Exactly.
1: Um, but funny enough, I actually had started as a finance major. Really? You know, yeah. Growing up, I was always kind of nudged in. Um, you know half Persian, half white, so oh, I was always kind of... so
0: you're also a mix as well. Welcome to the Mutt Club. <laughs>
1: yeah, right? <laughs> a proud Mutt, a proud Mutt at that. You know, very prideful, obviously, of my, my background, my beginnings, cultural backgrounds. There you go. <laughs> Me too. Got my Far uh, on, so always, always trying to represent. But, uh, you know, I was always, I felt like I was always kind of nudged in the medical direction. Huh. You know, I come from a family of, of doctors. My uncle's a cardiologist. I My no uncle's as a dentist. My aunt is a pathologist. I have a cousin that's a psychologist. So yeah, the list goes on. Uh, not to mention my mom. Her training, uh, her educational training, is as a PA. She went to UF. <laughs> By the way, audience, please disregard all the FSU and UF stuff here in this room. We're true representatives of UCF, the best school in Florida. The best football school in Florida now.
0: When you mentioned all those doctors in your family, it reminds me of that one um, line from Step Brothers where like, this is a house of learned doctors. It's (laughs) like, you're not
1: a doctor. That's kind of how I feel right now. I'm Definitely going through some imposter syndrome. So yeah, I was always kind of nudged in that medical direction. You know, obviously you have with your family being in that field, being as accomplished as they are, you kind of felt some of those pressures. So I was always one of those, I was a very stubborn person growing up, still am to a certain degree, but i always wanted to figure out things my way and go through the learning curve my way i didn't want to just jump straight into medicine so through high school i was in some uh, business clubs really like that i was like ah let me take this and run with it so i uh, enrolled at ucf as a finance major and (laughs) quickly um once i got through the prereqs and started diving into some of the finance classes my gpa tanked and I was like I don't think this stuff is for me man this is (laughs) I was like I'm struggling over here this is not really the move so you know did a lot of soul searching soul searching introspection kind of took a hard look at myself in the mirror and you know had some very heavy conversations with my mom as well as you know friends my sister even my dad too and i'd always loved sports growing up hence the, the heat jersey and everything, yeah you know we're um, south florida boys so yeah, that's exactly, why you gotta rep the, exactly. you gotta rep the south till i die till i die so you know i figured hey let me dabble some of these healthcare courses maybe potentially a career in physical therapy and then i realized you know once i started getting through these classes going through the nitty-gritty of them i realized that like okay i really enjoy this it clicked and I found myself appreciating the classes, uh, enjoying the information and and craving more of it. So once I got through that and then took human anatomy which is taught at a medical school level at UCF very difficult class I did well with that became a TA I was like you know what? let me just see if I can take this one step farther go to medical school
0: oh wow and yeah. now look at you yeah one year left
1: did take three four years off in between but
0: eh, you know what it's all right like I said marathon not a sprint
1: that is the absolute definition of my life and my obviously educational process so far marathon not a sprint so message I guess for you and everyone at home is uh go at your own pace you know let it happen organically for you. there is, really is no rush i think as people we tend to put ourselves under a microscope especially with social media comparing and contrasting our lives to other people's go at your own pace let it happen organically and follow your dreams and be unapologetic about it go after it and listen rome wasn't built overnight you're not supposed to have it figured out by 22 23 24 years old i sure as hell didn't to a degree i still don't <laughs> <laughs> but you know take your time with it and eventually the right things will fall into place for you
0: i think that's awesome and i you know you're Going into a field that not only is very prestigious, but it's also very needed because I'm a graphic designer or um, a freelance photographer. Sure, that's great in today's era of social media and everything online, but you know, it's just like, what happens when... An EMP just destroys everything. Electricity-wise, we have nothing. See, people like me, we'd be like, yeah, our skills aren't needed here. However, you and your doctor pals will always be needed. So you have what I call an apocalypse skill. I
1: appreciate that, man. I appreciate it. Let me tell you, it's a very rewarding field. <laughs> I, I, I say this hesitantly because I know a lot of people judge me for it. Uh, but I say that in a lot of ways, I feel med school is easier than undergrad. Only hmm. because I'm studying things I enjoy. Okay, fair right? enough. And it makes sense.
0: You don't have to go through the gen eds and all that dribble and drabble.
1: The physics, the organic chemistries, the chemistries, the Ameri- labs.
0: American History 1, one and 2.
1: <laughs> the list goes on. However, I mean, the bulk of information is exponentially more, but it's your full-time job. I mean, if you study 8, 10, 11, 12 hours a day of this stuff... You'll do well. A whole half
0: of your day, (laughs) basically. Well, Uh, maybe like a whole third, and like the other two thirds are like sleeping and existing as a person.
1: Exactly. You know, obviously, medical school it is a marathon. It is a very, very, very long race, and a lot of people are hesitant about going into med school because they're they don't want to be in school forever. Mm -hmm. That's probably the number one rebuttal to going to med school. But you know, as a medical student, you become very good at compartmentalizing. Very good at like, hey. Let me take things one step at a time. And then you become a product of your environment. If you see people studying 10 hours a day, he encourages you to do the same. At the end of the day, it's a full-time job. This school, with as much money as we're paying, it is a full-time job.
0: Right, and then it's also kind of like peer pressure. And it's like, why aren't you studying with us? Exactly.
1: And that's kind of what happened to me. I uh, was nervous about the type of student I would be going to medical school. But then, you know, once you see people around you and surround yourself by people who do well, you elevate your own status and work ethic.
0: Man, I love that. Especially it's bringing each other up. And yeah. normally, like, you know, in some situations, I feel like some people are out to get each other because it is very competitive out there. But then, like I said, doctors are always going to be needed. Absolutely. So Absolutely. what specific study of medicine are you going into?
1: Oh, that's a million dollar question right now. Um, <laughs> So right now, I just finished my third year. I'm okay. going into my fourth year. So nice. I actually start my electives uh, February. The shortlist is this. So I have I'm considering either internal medicine where I can specialize, perhaps maybe something like cardiology, gastroenterology. I don't know, I'm just don't know other fields out there. Endocrinology, rheumatology. You can specialize to who I am. Now, what I want to specialize in, if I go that route, I'm not sure yet. Or perhaps even anesthesia.
0: Okay, got um, it. You know, anesthesia. They make some good money.
1: Yes, yes. So, anesthesia, because I do like being hands-on. You know, I love, obviously, human anatomy. I like working with drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Not taking them. Not taking them, no. I just took, actually took my drug screening yesterday, so fun fact. Oh,
0: excellent. And, you know, the best part about a doctor is you can prescribe all the oxycodone you want.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no comments. Uh <laughs> No comment. Obviously, within reason, because there's a lot of barricades, a lot of red tape up now with everything that's that's going on. Of
0: course, especially with the drug lean and, like, cough syrup being the main ingredient that gets people buzzed.
1: Well, yeah, that, and we have an opioid uh, epidemic here in the United States, you know, yeah. so... There's a lot more um, restrictions, a lot more rules that apply with prescribing some of these.
0: Yeah, in fact, actually, I forgot where I was. I think I was actually in my high school uh, psychology class. Since Sudafed is an ingredient of crystal meth, apparently, like, for a while, they actually cracked down on, like, how many boxes you could take out at a time, like, out of a store.
1: Yes, it is controlled. I know you have to put your name down. So I think I had to buy it once at a cold. And you had to put like your name down and stuff. So yeah, they're they're cracking down on a lot of things. You know, just initiating tighter controls because you know we don't want to see people fall into this regiment where you know become addicted to opioids and then us not people access them, and a lot of these people end up going to the streets to access black market drugs,
0: which is even worse because they're probably laced with something else that's even worse for you.
1: Yeah, knock on wood. I don't have any friends or fan members that are suffering from that disease, you know, that epidemic. Uh, but I know. There are thousands, if not millions of Americans that do suffer and that do pass away, and it is something that we're trying to yeah.
0: curtail. A little um, side note that kind of is related to that. When I got my wisdom teeth taken out, I found out I was allergic to Percocet. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, so future wouldn't have a good time with me.
1: No no uh, benzodiazepines for
0: you. Uh, that's fine. For some odd reason, it gave me weird acid reflux.
1: Yeah, really? Mm-hmm. Interesting.
0: Yeah. Oh, well. So uh, Ross University of Medicine, so you did your first two years at Barbados?
1: So, yes. Um. Funny story. So, I got accepted to Ross University July of 2017, right? One year before I was supposed to start. That August or September, they got actually hit by a Category 5 hurricane, Hurricane Maria. And the original campus itself was in Dominica, which is a little north of South America. Okay. I think, like, the uh, lower Caribbean area, southern Antilles area. I could be wrong. Sorry, guys. Uh, it's been a while since I looked at geography. <laughs> but, and it devastated the island. You know, I have a lot of friends that actually had gone through the hurricane and just told me it was it was chaotic. So it devastated the island, devastated the school. So the school had temporarily at that time temporarily relocated to Knoxville, Tennessee. Okay. And which no I hurricanes s- there. No hurricanes there. Knock on wood. So yeah, I started May 2018, in Knoxville, Tennessee, which worked out great because I was only not only was I still I got to stay here in the United States for my first two semesters, but you know, I was only an hour away from my mom's house here in Dallas, Georgia.
0: That's so funny because Georgia has a Rome and Athens and now they have a Dallas too.
1: They have a little bit of everything, you know, and a Gainesville. Oh, that's right.
0: I, I saw the signs coming this way.
1: Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Georgia, Georgia is an interesting state, but no, I, I you know, I'll, I'll say this throughout my medical tenure. I've gotten lucky, you know, I've gotten really lucky. I feel blessed to how everything's worked out, pandemic, pre-pandemic pandemic current pandemic, even after this, you know, after initial wave of the pandemic, like everything's been working out and you know, I've gotten really lucky.
0: Well, you've busted your ass, Ryan. So if anything, you weren't lucky. You made your own luck by working your ass off. Thanks, so, man. hey, and uh, you've got to be giving kudos to that,
1: you know? Yeah, thanks, man. You know, uh, I guess I'll, <laughs> I'll count my blessings once I can actually graduate and have that certificate stating I have the MD. Of course. And
0: do you think you'd like go into your own practice after that or?
1: That is in the long term goal cards i would say in the short term so the way it works you know after this year mm-hmm. i'll be applying for uh match oh for, for residency residency right? and then i'll have to go through roughly three even maybe four years of residency depending on the specialty okay and then if i specialize right if i do an i am in a decided special it's another three years so really? yeah i would be speculating about six five six years Away from any big money uh, as a doctor, significant employment, yes. But, uh, you know, it's all part of the process, it's all part of the plan, and you, know, you just take it in stride. But, yeah,
0: whether it's the D- Miami Dolphins rebuilding or you going through med school, everything is a process.
1: Yeah, I guarantee I'll finish med school and become a full fledged doctor, finish residency, finish everything else, almost probably be retired. Before Dolphins make any significant <laughs> strides and put together a winning season and actually have stability.
0: Yeah, especially since they just got rid of Brian Flores.
1: Oh, man, don't even get me started. Uh, yeah, it is very frustrating to be a Dolphins fan. I, that was actually, if they had mentioned that at the beginning, halfway through the season with the whole 1-7 and seven start, I'd be like, okay, I can kind of understand. But then you go ahead and have seven straight wins. And one of the best defenses in the league? One of the, one of the best defenses, right? Especially considering the pieces he has to work with. And I know there's obviously different scrutinies, right? Different holes, different things that Brian does share the blame for. But I felt that his job was safe. You know, I felt that he offered us a lot of promise, gave me a lot of optimism as a Dolphins fan. And the one thing we've lacked through these years
0: is stability. Culture and stability. That and also offense.
1: Yes, oh, very much so. I mean, that, that goes without saying.
0: Are you a fan of Tua?
1: Ah, am I a fan of Tua? You know, I want to stay patient. Have I seen anything that I've liked so far? There have been little glimpses here and there. I think if he can remain a good offensive manager, limiting turnovers, getting first downs, getting chunk plays every so often, I think he can string some wins. Now, would I trust him with leading us from a come-from-behind win? Probably not. But if we can keep a good defense and all it has to do is manage the offense, I feel like we can have a very, very good football team. But, um... I'd say I'd want to give him another year or two before I officially make that verdict. Two years is too too short.
0: Got it. Yeah, ever since that hip injury, I feel like he hasn't been the same. Listen, I never played quarterback or football in general, so who am I to say? But it's just like... Yeah. There are some injuries that some quarterbacks go through, and I feel like that's, like, the beginning of the end.
1: Oh, it's significant. I mean, it is hard to bounce back from a hip injury. I mean, that hip is such a complex joint. You have all the vascular, the vessels that flow through there, the, you know, nerves that go through there, the muscles, the tendons, you know, everything. It's a very complicated joint. So coming back from that is difficult within itself. The time frame and be as athletic at such a high level, you know, at his rate, especially, you know, as a quarterback, a mobile quarterback. Yeah. It is is tough. Do Um, do you know who that... Go ahead. I was going to say, and Tua will always be compared to the likes of Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. Mm-hmm. So I think that within itself kind of degrades his... A- us uh, drafting him. Yeah, it definitely takes away from, you know, him being, I guess, considered a lead or him ever... Being you know, the hype, you know, tank for tank. Tua. Exactly. Yeah, living up to the hype.
0: Yeah, ironically, we won like two of the biggest games that year when we were supposed to completely tank.
1: I know, I know, I know. I mean, we still had a shot at Herbert true
0: I know but uh speaking of uh um, injuries and mobile quarterbacks this kind of reminds me of when Mackenzie Milton when his incident happened and then people just think oh a bone is broken but then you know you have to imagine there's muscles there's yeah. nerves there's vessels and it's just really cool to see that just from something as bad as Joe Thysman injury being able to not snap it back in place but just to make sure that everything is reconnected and flowing again it just amazes me the human body does amaze me it's just that I get very squeamish with bodily fluids so that's why I don't do anything Dr. Doctor- related in my life
1: yeah it is truly it's fascinating man it's fascinating to see all the science all the different parts the pathophysiology of it the blood flow of it the nutrition aspects how all these systems can come together and work simultaneously right it's also scary in a lot of regards, and keeps you humble because one system starts to malfunction. You know that could throw off a whole another set of symptoms, th- uh, especially
0: system. the nervous system.
1: Yeah, it's the nervous system. I, I could go on for days and days. You know how one thing leads to another. It is fascinating to be able to connect those dots and see all that upfront in person, be able to understand it. And I'd be more than happy to describe any of these things to you. you I was, I actually, I want to put your audience to sleep, though. Oh you know? no, I, no, <laughs>
0: dude. If anything, I'm interested. Have I fallen asleep yet? No. <laughs> so actually, so this sounds kind of like a science fair kind of question, but what's your favorite system in the body to study
1: oh um i actually really enjoy the heart cardiovascular cardiovascular i enjoy studying it i've always been fascinated by it even through anatomy the coolest thing i'll tell you this was our first semester we had anatomy we actually dissected a cadaver oh right? okay actually right then and there is when i knew okay i'm not squeamish to any of these bodily fluids and smells well that's good yeah uh because <laughs> so that'll weed you out real quick i
0: would have been like yeah applying to <laughs> uh retail stores because i'm not doing this bye
1: <laughs> so luckily i didn't have to worry about that too much i you know stomached it pretty well but holding a human heart in your hand has to be one of the coolest really most humbling it's almost surreal you're like Yo, this is a, the thing that makes us go, obviously, outside of our, our brain. Our brain, you know, obviously, stores, you know, memories and controls. Yeah, of, but without the heart. The heart. Basically, you're not dead until your heart, your heart is dead, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, until you cold and dead. Or, oh, right. I forget, sorry. <laughs> no, I think it's cold and dead, but. Cold and dead, I think so, yeah. Cold and dead.
0: Actually, I just saw a news story about how a man was transplanted with a pig's heart.
1: Yeah, yeah, I saw that. That's really cool. I found that to be very captivating. Actually, I think it's warm and dead. Sorry, guys. Sorry. I, I just had a complete brain fart, but I think, I'm think i pretty sure you're not dead until you're warm and dead. Because if someone's like... Hypothermic, and I think their heart their heart's slowing down. Uh huh. You gotta warm them up because the hypothermia. Oh, true. So, okay. But anyways, side note, I gotta look back and review. I'm studying, actually studying for my step two March 21st. So reminds me I gotta fill in that blank, and I have a lot of brain farts because there's so much information at once. But
0: and the things that you're studying ahead of time, just imagine if people did grad school and did a regular undergrad thing and they just wait until the last minute. No way they'd no, survive.
1: No, you can't. Yeah. With med school, you have to pace yourself. It's a, like a fire hydrant, right? You're trying to drink out of a fire hydrant. The best way to do it. You got to take a little bit of a time, mm-hmm. uh, take a little bit of time. Because so. otherwise
0: it's going to rip your face off with all the water pressure.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So uh, right now I'm just going through a uh, question bank. It's got 4,000 questions. So I'm doing around maybe 75 a day I'm trying to finish That's what I was doing before you got here. Uh, So I'm trying to finish at least the first week of March just to try and, you know, fill in all my knowledge gaps and uh, make sure I'm good and ready for this test.
0: Absolutely. And going back to the pig heart, it's really fascinating because if I'm correct, the most anatomically comparable animal to humans is a pig.
1: You know, (laughs) I'm kind of embarrassed to say this, but I did see the article. Now, as far as digging into the research of it, Mm -hmm. I haven't gone that far yet uh, to see, okay, what steps did they take regarding this pig heart? Okay. Um, How long of a preparatory procedure did they go for? Was it a pig heart? Was it coded in human stem cells? Was it coded in any of his cells? Like, how did that work for them to prep that organ? So I got I to gotta dig a little more deeper into that. As you can probably imagine, I'm just kind of head is underwater with this uh, studying. Yeah,
0: you've been doing 75 questions a day. I don't blame you for not doing that. But I think I heard that once because um a lot of the shows that I like watching, I love watching like history stuff. So some shows would actually like test out weapons on pigs because apparently they are the most anatomically similar to humans. So by doing the damage to the dead pig carcass, they don't actually, you know, have to use a real human, but they can still see the results of what would happen. Any hemorrhaging, any, you know, shrapnel through the eye, any G-Force impact
1: Yeah, no. And I can see how, because obviously you want to have something that's as closely resembles a human heart as possible, especially if you want to use it as a transplant, Yeah, because that's a major factor in the success of the organ.
0: My grandpa actually had a bypass surgery and part of a cow's vein is in his heart. Yes.
1: Yeah. That's awesome. Oh, is he okay? Yeah. Yeah. He's totally fine.
0: In fact, he has better cardio than I do.
1: No way. And he probably has better cardio than I do. (laughs) (laughs) Props to your grandpa. Grandpa, if you're listening out there, keep up the great work. Keep biking. We love you, Poppy. We love you, Poppy. But uh yeah, no, I think I think that's probably one of the one of the frontiers I mean, there are many, many frontiers to medicine, right? I mean mm-hmm. we're learning things every day, every month. And I'd say obviously like transplant and what will work in the human body as opposed to what won't. I mean, that's a frontier. Obviously, I think psychiatry is another huge frontier to a certain degree, even neurology. I mean, there's obviously a lot of things. There's that... a
0: lot we don't know about the brain. In fact, if anything, the brain named itself. Exactly.
1: That just like
0: blows my mind.
1: <laughs> Only organ that named itself
0: because if you really think about it we're just brains with meat suits
1: exactly that's that's basically what we are <laughs> with meat suits is one way to put it <laughs> i mean we're a brain with one long tube that goes through us you know esophagus going to uh-huh. the stomach for eating <laughs> the digestive system digestive system
0: it's an interesting one but it's a disgusting one at the same time
1: it is it is I could go into some funny stories about some of the things we found when, you know, we're descending cadavers, but, you know, I don't want to make anyone sick at home.
0: All right. That's fine. Actually, um, the camera's about to cut off for oh, gotcha. this part of okay. recording. So um, I'm just going to cut it off now. We can Perfect. go take a break or something like that yeah. if we need to. But then if not, then we can just uh, hop back on. See, Ryan, I love having people like you on the show because some guests are fun just to speak to, but then others, I just feel smarter after I speak to you.
1: Well, good. Uh, I mean, I enjoy being able to teach, you know, being able to share these, these nuggets of information Information, right? Mm-hmm. To me, that's fun. That's what it's all about, you know, being able to share and educate and uh, describe these things. And what good is all having all this information if you can't share it?
0: Right. And yeah. so tell me, what is something interesting from middle school that you've learned about?
1: Uh, well, there's a lot. <laughs> okay. There's one syndrome I'm fascinated by. And mm. it's like, I would say probably my number one fear. Obviously, I have a lot of fears with medicine. Like, you know, you get into this whole thing, right? Sometimes, like, ignorance can be bliss with medicine. Sometimes, you know, as doctors, we know too much. So, so, you know, that's <laughs> why yeah. so there are a large portion of doctors, when they get diagnosed with cancer, don't choose to go to chemotherapy because they obviously they know all the side effects of and they sometimes know the prognosis. So sometimes
0: I'm here for a good time, ignorance. not a long time.
1: <laughs> exactly. So a lot of in a lot of ways ignorance can be bliss. But yeah, I mean, there are a lot of fears, obviously, for one, I you know never want to see my family develop any sort of neurological like Alzheimer's. Also, my grandpa had that it's, and it's my aunt tough. had dementia, too. Yeah, And that's tough. I think. That's another, obviously, frontier for us to explore, to find better treatments and better ways to curve and curtail this terrible, terrible disease. Also, another thing I learned about uh, recently, I actually start my neurology rotation at Cleveland Clinic in a couple weeks. I learned about what's called locked-in syndrome. Right. What's that? So locked in syndrome starts when there's some sort of obstruction or damage to the basilar artery could be through hemorrhage or stroke, something along those lines. So the basilar artery. So when that becomes compromised, you develop what's called locked in syndrome and you cannot move any of your extremities. So it's defined by paralysis, upper and lower extremity paralysis, and you can't speak. So you can't move anything. The only thing you can move are you can possibly blink or move your eyes up. Dang. So not even down. I don't know if there's a down, but I think only up. Don't call me on. By the way, fans at home, it is you're not dead until you're warm and dead. I did okay. I have to go back and confirm that. But it's but, all right because listen, I'm a podcast host, not a med student, so that's why
0: <laughs> you would know that better.
1: I had to confirm that, even though I did correct myself, I had to confirm it. But so with this locked-in syndrome, you're basically you're paralyzed. You can't move. You can't do anything. You you're, can't speak. You're a prisoner in your own body. You're a prisoner in your own body. So you're basically robbed of. All the tools, some of the ways that we're able to express ourselves on a daily basis, you're robbed of that. And there are actually people, and I was looking this up, there are people that have actually written books that have suffered from this locked-in syndrome.
0: How would they be able to convey their message if
1: they can't? So through the blinking or whatever eye movement they had, they were able to kind of transcribe these messages.
0: I can only just imagine them trying to type out their book in like Morse code.
1: Uh, yeah. So I don't know what system they used. whether it's like, hey, blink once for A.
0: Were you born on <laughs> January 1st? Once for no, two for yes.
1: Yeah. So I don't know what system they used or, and I'm pretty sure this is, it's permanent, But, you know, there are people that have written books from this and I'm just like, oh my God, I can't begin to imagine. It almost reminds me of, you know, that scene in Get Out where... He's kind of locked in the basement and he's just watching everything as a, as a movie. He's kind of falling into this like deep dark abyss. To be honest, I never saw Get you Out. I never saw Get Out.
0: I know. There's a bunch of movies I'm very Dude. behind on.
1: Oh, that's a, that was a great movie. So that's kind of in my mind how I see it. It's like, oh my God, like you're just kind of in this abyss. You're trapped in your own body. You know, you have all these thoughts. Just
0: there was an episode of this one show called Light of Me. I don't know what happened. I think he was in a car crash, but it, essentially he was in a locked in syndrome kind of situation. So the main character of the show, he solves crimes by reading books body languages and uh, micro-expressions on people's faces. And so because... This guy couldn't literally move anything except blink or look up. The doctor was able to ask him a bunch of questions, but also wow. by looking at his pupils dilating, he could tell the answers as well.
1: Wow, that's that's amazing that he would also use that mechanism, even though that's kind of like an involuntary mechanism the pupils dilating, things like that. Maybe you can see that, okay, this guy was alive, but dilation and constriction is an, almost like an involuntary response.
0: Got it, but I think I've actually read somewhere that actually, depending on whether you lie or not, it can dilate or constrict.
1: I think the, the science behind lying I'm sure there's more to it. If you obviously, you know, when they do it with the lie detector test, they can see if there's a little spike in heart rate because if you're lying, you're consciously doing it. I think there's a little spike in like your sympathetic and like kind of shoots your heart rate up, and that sympathetic would also dilate your pupils. So I could see how. Yes, if he was lying, but this guy's, he's locked in. What would he have to lie about?
0: See, this is why we got him on the show.
1: <laughs> also, another cool movie I want you to check out. Also, people at home, I found it fascinating, was Brain on Fire. It's about a young woman. She was about 21 years old, working for a, news comp- a newspaper company in New York. She actually developed what's called anti-NMDA receptor encephalitis. Say that 10 times fast.
0: <laughs> nah, I'm not even going to try, bud. <laughs> um, so what is it exactly? So
1: it's an autoimmune disease. Very rare very very rare maybe one or ten cases for every one million people oh very rare so your body develops antibodies against your nmda receptors now i'm not going to go into the science of nmda i think that's with like arousal excitement so the early stages of the disease are kind of defined by like psychiatric manifestation so she's like started began to hallucinate became very paranoid started going to like these manic episodes voices in the head kind of thing yeah and so people thought she was schizophrenic and then they thought she was bipolar and then all of a sudden she just stopped using one side of her body and then she became catatonic catatonic is where you just kind of lay there even though you're alive and you are functioning and examination still have control of your muscles she was just laying there so catatonic and then it got to a point it progressed so bad and became so severe that she wasn't able to express herself she was beginning getting all these medications for schizophrenia, for bipolar. So she was all sorts of doped up on meds. And then it got to a point where she just became a shell of herself. She couldn't even express herself, couldn't talk about anything, couldn't really translate what she was experiencing. And there was one neurologist who looked at her and was like, no, I think she's got this rare disease. And he identified it. And then you treat the patient with glucocorticoid steroids. And there's a very, very high success rate with that. She went on to write a book. They made a movie. It was fascinating to see that.
0: Dang, that medical deduction sounds like House level. Yeah,
1: I, I know that and that's the type of stuff that you find very captivating when you're in med school, when you learn about these these rare diseases. But you have to learn very quickly that if it walks like a horse, it sounds like a horse, it's probably a horse and not a zebra. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So obviously in the back of your mind you always want to have these rare diseases in mind when you're, you know, when you're looking at patients, assessing them. But then the day it's like, look, there's algorithms for this stuff and there's differential diagnoses and you go through all these tests to rule things out rule things in and there's a whole sequence to it but i uh, wanted to share that oh
0: absolutely story um, with that's you. really as scary as that is that's awesome to know about in fact this is a weird thing about me but i don't know what it is but like pictures of people who have gone through diseases you yeah. know it's not their fault but it's disgusting but then it's like fascinating to look at like for example syphilis people they have no skin on their face and i'm thinking holy crap this is really disgusting and scary but i can't stop looking at it
1: yeah yeah I remember that forgot the term. Oh, this is ca- going to kill me now. But yeah, there're different phases of syphilis. Obviously, you have the first phase where it appears as an ulceration on your genitalia, and then it can progress to uh skin, you get like these skin rashes, skin like blanching mac- macules papules. And then it can progress to like neurosyphilis where you have these neurological issues, and then I forgot the name of the term where it does dismorph some of your skin, and it's going to kill me not remember that term. Yeah, syphilis can be pretty severe. Uh fortunately, we've come a long way in being able to treat it, and uh actually detecting it and like medications like penicillin penicillin g can can help cure the syphilis and contain it well that's good yeah
0: you know i'm sure that there are a bunch of big people out there like movie stars and football players who have stuff going on there because of their life and their access to other stuff
1: <laughs> yeah yeah I uh, was always curious about that. Like, man, you know, some of these movie stars, that sort of thing, like, with all, obviously, I'm sure there's a lot of promiscuity, right? Of course. You know? And I wouldn't be surprised if some of them do have to take a cocktail of things just to curb any potential diseases out I, there. <laughs> I mean,
0: that's what Magic Johnson had to do to fight back the AIDS.
1: Yeah. Even that treatment's come a long way. I have a joke. I'm not sure if i going to relate. <laughs> I'm not going to put it out there. Um, it's a family-friendly uh, podcast, but, uh, yeah, definitely... Uh, had some financial leads with that, too. Uh. <laughs> financial? <laughs> that was good. No, but that, that, was, serious, it was an accident, that
0: dude. wasn't bad. No, no, no. I thought you were going to say something else, but no no, no, no. That's not bad at all. <laughs>
1: um you know obviously being in the medical field i'm always trying to p's and q's cross my t's dot my i's uh permission but- to cross the t sir <laughs> yes thank you thank sir you, thank you but in all seriousness so oh, the anti-retroviral therapy has come a long way and almost to the point now we can really contain hiv and prevent it from escalating to something like aids yeah contain contain and you can live a healthy normal life
0: awesome yeah so um speaking of magic johnson you're wearing a basketball jersey heat yes sir so uh, nice so were you born in miami i was born in fort lauderdale okay so actually i'm from boynton beach so you know we're south florida
1: boys Yes, sir. Uh, South Florida, always, till I die, uh, always proud uh, South Florida, born and raised, uh, you know, resident. Now, whether or not I end up settling down there long term, I'm not sure, but I'll always, large part of me, defined by my experience in South Florida, always be very prideful of that.
0: I mean, you know, when we were growing up, we had some of our best sports going on. Well, the Panthers, they sucked up until very recently, but you know, the heat, especially during the big three era. that
1: was such an exciting time. So my, my favorite sport has, and always, always has been basketball. I think what really did it for me was that 2003, the drafting of Dwayne Wade, seeing him come up. I was like, man, this is exciting. I, I like this sport. I want to get into it. So I started playing. And obviously, like, the championship in '06. That was exciting, you know, with Shaq. Had, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I, I wish I could impre- impersonate him, but I'm not I'm not that good. Hey, you just
0: really need to make your <laughs> voice feel deep and then uh you know, yeah.
1: You're much better better at it than I am. But yeah, with 06 you had Posey, Antoine Walker, Michael Doliak. Only the real fans will know who Michael Doliak is. Uh, you know, Shaq. Dwayne Wade, Gary Payton, White Chocolate, Jason Williams. <laughs> that was his nickname, by the way. I know, that's still that's a great nickname. Alonzo, morning, Udonis Haslam, the OG. Dang. Um, How long has Haslam been on the Heat? 19 years. Next year would be his
0: 20th. His goal is actually making twenty. Is that like the longest tenured uh, Heat player ever? Or yes. Obviously, Wade was with the Heat for at least most of his career.
1: 14 I want to say 14 to 15 because he retired in his 16th season right it was yeah like sweet 16 and then obviously there was one year he wasn't with so maybe 15 years
0: okay but still that's pretty awesome of course it's understandable he went to Chicago because that's where he's from
1: I didn't blame him for that obviously seeing him in Cleveland was awkward yeah uh, very awkward and i was like we gotta find a way to get this guy back get him out of cleveland don't let the guy suffer like that <laughs> um, hey to all of you guys that that that, that reside are from cleveland no no hatred i've never been there so I obviously can't talk but you know from from things i've heard and you know obviously from like sports history i'm much happier being a south florida fan than i am a cleveland fan.
0: but it's okay because lebron didn't have to go miami I know. this
1: is for you <laughs> And I was proud of them to see them do that. But, yeah, then you had those years 2010 to 2014. Just some of the best four years of basketball we have ever seen. In fact, probably the NBA has ever seen. And its 75-year uh, history just was phenomenal. It was exhilarating, night in and night out.
0: Do you remember when they all did the Harlem Shake with oh their best team? Oh, God, that was
1: classic with Birdman. And you had um, Mario as Mario. Mario <laughs> That'll never get old. I I actually just watched the video like a couple of weeks ago. I'm like, God, ah, this is amazing.
0: Not gonna lie, it's like Chris Bosh. I know is a great basketball player, but
1: I always feel like every time I see him, I have to laugh because he just looks goofy. Yeah, I, yeah. I I have nothing but love and respect for Chris Bosh, but I remember. And I feel bad for saying this because he's the nicest guy and he's the sweetest guy. Of course, he brought us a lot of success. But I remember saying, "We're seeing him when he was in Toronto playing for the Raptors. I'm like, man, that guy looks like he could be a Raptor. He looks the part. Right. And he came to Miami <laughs> like, OK, I, I got to respect. I take back all those comments. It's, I love this guy. Now. It's all right. <laughs> I mean, everyone agrees with
0: you. It's just that he's also really good at what he does. He
1: is. Yeah. His Hall of Fame induction was a little controversial. I support it, I mean, because he redefined the role. Obviously, I'm also very biased as a Heat fan.
0: Redefined the role as, like, in terms of his position?
1: Yeah, so, you know... What position was he again? He was uh, forward, I know, a couple times he filled in as a center for us. He was that stretch big, kind of like a hybrid role. Okay. Uh, You know, someone who can attack the basket off the bounce or play with their back towards the basket. And at that time, I think only other than Kevin Garnett and Dirk Nowitzki, they kind of, like, broke the ice on what it meant to be like a stretch big, you know, like (laughs) a hybrid uh, in terms of like that position and being like a versatile big that they could play forward or play center they could uh, hit the three maybe not so much kevin garnett but definitely dirk <laughs> but no, kevin know... garnett
0: would be shit talking dirk
1: yeah ex- exactly and uh so i mean i think that that warranted uh you know hall of fame induction because of how versatile he was how much he sacrificed for the heat but also like how prolific his numbers were in toronto and how much he redefined the role and kind of orchestrated this whole changing of the guard in basketball as we see it now with you know you don't see traditional centers anymore
0: i just feel like they're smaller especially since like one of the biggest centers of all time was Shaq.
1: Yeah. yeah. And, can I, and can I say this? It frustrates me as someone who loves playing basketball. And I'm usually seven times out of 10, the tallest guy on my team. So inevitably I'm center, right? How tall are so, you? Six, three. Exactly. You know, so I grew up playing the center role with my back to the basket. So I grew up knowing how to score underneath the basket. Now, with this new era of NBA, everybody wants to shoot the three ball. Mm-hmm. And I was just so used to growing up my whole life, the ball coming through the center. It doesn't even come my way anymore. Oh, that's <laughs> So that's... now it's like, I got to leak out to the three-point shot to try and hopefully hit a three, which I probably don't. I will, I'll hit maybe once out of three shots or four shots.
0: It's all right. To be honest, you probably hit um, more free throws than Shaq ever did. So. Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> that's you know, for sure. That's you
0: know what? Sure. It's okay. So actually, it's funny you mentioned Kevin Garnett because... He's actually my favorite shit-talker of all time. Now, granted, of course, you've had Kobe.
1: And Larry Bird. People don't give Larry Bird enough credit That's right. He He... was a huge trash-talker.
0: But for me, it was Kevin Garnett. I don't know why, but it just was. But who was your favorite, like, crap-talker?
1: Oh, man. My favorite trash-talker. You know, I did grow up a huge Kevin Garnett fan. I did. I didn't really pay much attention to Trash Talk till maybe 06. And I have to say Gary Payton. I would. Some of the legendary things he would say and do, just obviously seeing him on the Heat and seeing it right up there in personal, you know, for yourself, you're like, oh my God, this guy comes every every play every possession with an edge and tries to get in your head. I
0: mean, that's one thing that Kobe was really great at. In fact, um, I actually read somewhere, I forgot which player it was, but he specifically learned how to trash talk in like Serbian or something like that. Just so. He... Oh, yeah. Luca. It was Luca. Luca. He literally <laughs> learned Serbian just to be like, Hey, fuck you. Luca.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was amazing. Also, there's another story of, I think him and maybe Luis Scola or another player of, uh, that you know spoke spanish and he would talk to them in Spanish, yeah, and just talk trash to them. Um, you know
0: he spoke Italian fluently, right? Yes, I'm aware. He grew up in Italy. That's right, because his dad, I think, played ball there.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, well, obviously, it can't happen now. But I originally wanted to learn Italian just so I could speak to Kobe Bryant.
1: That would be amazing. I mean, R. P. Yeah, Mamba, man. Um, Where I, were you when that happened? I was actually in the middle of my uh CPR slash ACLS training course, and that happened. I'm just like, no way! I refused to believe it at, the, at first. You know? Right.
0: I say this every time that I bring it up, but it's just that everybody thought he was god
1: yeah you know and he was so young i mean he still had so much life ahead of him
0: despite being retired
1: it's funny because when other celebrities pass away like michael jackson prince other big name celebrities and i'd see other people get so sad and worked up about it i did feel sorrow for those guys i did they transcended cultures they transcended they're timeless people right but i didn't feel it until once kobe bryant passed away i'm like oh this hurts. Like I legitimately got teared up because I'm like, this is an idol I had growing up as a kid throughout all my years. And you really think someone like that, as timeless as he is, you can't fathom or or begin to wrap your head around the thought of maybe them not being here. And especially as tragically one day, you know, they're not. And just, and I was like, okay, now I can understand why people and I, th- so I think
0: I think any basketball fan, honestly, besides Lakers, would uh, feel the same way because he was instrumental to your game.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was a role model in so many ways. You know, obviously, to his daughters, to the game, to just how he held himself as an individual. Obviously, to the city, to the game of basketball. He's a great ambassador. You see his fingerprints throughout the world and throughout different industries and won an emmy award for his animated uh short that was a beautiful short i know so it was just heartbreaking to see that all this talent and all this goodness just get taken away in an instant in an instant i want to almost use the word that we were robbed of it but at the same time it's like he brought us so much those what 41 42 43 I, f- I forget what ag passed away
0: it's okay because every time i throw something into the trash can i always say kobe
1: yeah same <laughs> but but so, this time
0: i say for kobe
1: for Co- exactly exactly i'm actually very hesitant to say that because god forbid i miss oh <laughs> correct because yeah.
0: then it would probably look up from heaven and be like you're a bitch
1: yeah, especially if it comes down to water pong <laughs> <laughs> i am not using that word unless like i know i'm gonna hit the shot
0: yeah, um when you're shooting it you should say kobe and if it misses go shack
1: <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly but yeah no that that definitely affected me uh, i mean it, it affected me a lot you know it's like man you know it just really show goes to show how precious and fragile life is that you know you got to treat every day as a gift it's not guaranteed and that it can be taken from you in one instant and you really truly got to appreciate the people around you and show them all the love and look you know there should be no delayed gratification or delayed like get people their flowers now like hey show them the love tell them how much you appreciate them right now because you never know when they might not be on this earth.
0: Actually as I was driving from Chattanooga Tennessee to here in Dallas Georgia there was actually a huge crash on the other side of the, oh, wow. of, the of the highway like there were, like, five cars involved, and then it blocked up that entire way. Of course, at being on the other side, I was like, shit, that's bad. Wow. In fact, even one time, I was driving to Tampa, and I got delayed 30 minutes because a car tumbled so much that it looked like a crumpled up piece of paper, oh. and it closed all three lanes of, of the road off. In fact, all semi-trucks had to go off to the shoulder. It was
1: bad. Oh, that's that's heartbreaking, man.
0: I mean, it's on I-4, so I'm not surprised, but still, that's Yeah, hard.
1: no, that's that's heartbreaking. Um, You know, you never, obviously... You never want to see anyone go through that or have to endure any sort of tragedy like that? Actually, I have. You have?
0: I was in the car accident that killed my mom.
1: Oh my God, I didn't know that.
0: The SUV, it tumbled and I remember the first one being completely scared and I just shut my eyes. The next thing you know, I was in the hospital bed. It was scary and it almost felt like, it almost didn't feel real. And then after the surgery, that's when my dad told me, yeah, mom's dead.
1: Oh, my God, dude. I didn't know that.
0: You know, it always dampers people's mood. So I'm like, it doesn't need to be brought up.
1: Appreciate you sharing that. But it's crazy because I mean, because these 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 tragedies, right, these uh, horrific experiences can have long term implications. Right. And, you know, it can kind of it can redirect the course of our lives in an instant. And obviously it sticks with you. And, you know, there's always the questions of what if. And, uh, yeah, man, I'm, i well, thank you for sharing that. That's, that's, I, I can't imagine how tough that must've been for you, your family. And, uh, and I, I know, I know I say this without a doubt. I know your mom is looking down on you and she is super proud of the man that you've become and the person you've developed into. So props to you, man. I appreciate that, Ryan. Thank yeah, you. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Absolutely. It's
0: so weird to think because this happened all the way
1: back in 2005. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't realize
0: this upcoming August will be 17 years.
1: Wow. Wow. So
0: actually, my stepmother has been in my life longer than my mom was.
1: Wow. And how old are you now? 27. 27. So 17 years. I'm sure time has flown by. I'm sure you probably still remember that day like it was yesterday, too.
0: Yeah. Or at least what I could, because remember, I was blacked out for most of it. My sister somehow just got a few scrapes and bumps, but that's it. Wow. Which wow. was good, which is fantastic. But, you know, it's... You Glad know. you're still with us. Well, thank you. Glad to be here. So um, when people say don't take life for granted, it's just like, I know personally about that not to say that oh i know and you don't but it's just that
1: yeah you know as a medical student
0: you're gonna probably deal with this a lot in your field
1: yeah i've already as it pertains i've I have dealt with death really? you know and you i don't think you ever fully wrap your head around it or come to uh, fully understand it you embrace it right you acknowledge its existence you respect it but do i ever can i say i understand it um No, there are a lot of things I still don't understand. That's Uh, right. I don't think a lot of people understand it. No, yeah, you won't. But, you know, you do learn that it's a natural process and it can come at any moment. You know, also as a medical student, it can be scary, right? Because someone's life is in your hands. Someone's life is in your hands. And you are the broker, right? You are the last person as a doctor. You're the last person standing between that person either going home to see their family or going six feet under. And, like, to me, that's profound. You got to stay humble. And I I had a doctor tell me that I'm scared of ever becoming competent, meaning that it's always good to have the feeling of feeling incompetent. Mm -hmm. So that way, you're always pushing yourself to know more, you know, be better for your patients, learn more for your patients, be more well rounded, so that in the face of adversity and potential things spiraling out that, you know, you can step up and do the best thing for your parent, uh, your patients and help, you know, help safeguard them from obviously, uh, you know, crossing over, uh, on the flip side though, you know, death can be a beautiful thing. You know, I've really learned to embrace and appreciate palliative care. You know, what's like hospice, where it's like, if you have a terminal illness or your prognosis is six months or less, you know, to be able to enter that palliative care, uh, realm, where your life is made comfortable and you can have you know closure to the end of your life and be surrounded by family and be comfortable you know be ease of your pain and really enjoy those winning moments of your life and i think that could be a beautiful thing but uh, it is still interesting being in this phase of the game and seeing people cross to that other side it it still hits you certain way i don't want that feeling to leave me i don't i I still want to i want to feel every bit of emotion when someone even if it's 20 30 40 years from now i still want to feel the impact because that means okay you know i'm passion it it hits me but yeah no there's definitely even certain situations where i'm out in public You know, it's funny like now that med school people want to collapse around me and like i gotta respond there's been about like three or four times where people have been actually five times where two of them were just like kind of like you know someone banged their knee fell down and like thought they broke their bone and then um Oh, sorry. Twice, and then three times where like I actually had to respond to somebody. Really? And had to, yeah. They were like, "Okay, this is like super concerning," and had to had to respond quickly. I'm like, "Dude, now that I'm med school, everyone's <laughs> everyone." Uh, it's like I have a giant like sign on my back, like, "Hey, you know, I'm a med student. Go with this emergency. I'm a med student. This guy's got to respond because obviously, before this moment, I, you know, nothing like that had ever happened, and obviously, I never had a need to respond because I of lacked of the education. Never, never, never happened, but." Now it's happened at least five times. and I've had You're the son. person
0: that everyone goes to. Yeah. Um. I don't have to spend money on healthcare. care. I can just go to Ryan. <laughs> That's
1: true. Hey, if you guys want a consultation, I'm free to offer. But hey, disclaimer, I am still a med student, i not a doctor, so it's not doctoral advice. But uh, I had one lady at Dare Nightclub in Hard Rock. She actually started choking on like a candy. Oh? Yeah. She was actually a bathroom attendant. I was in the mail's. Bathroom, <laughs> okay, doing you know, minding my business, and she came in because she was a female bathroom attendant She came in struggling to breathe, like choking. Right? Did I'm you like, perform oh the Heimlich? So I'm like, I looked at the other ten, like go call 911, contact security, call 911, and I just started doing the Heimlich. This poor lady was probably five foot one, you know, had <laughs> maybe a hundred pounds on her, and I am, you know, six three, 215 pounds. All of them, I might thrusting into her um, you know abdominal region to ty- try and dislodge this candy mm-hmm. And I'm convinced I probably cracked a rib, but <laughs> I know she was definitely sore, but, you know, it was just, dis- you know, trying to dislodge it, couldn't dislodge it because it was a sticky candy. Mm-hmm. So it partially lodged in so she could still inhale, but it was very discomforting for her. Luckily, she didn't turn blue. She didn't pass out. She was always conscious. And finally, the paramedics got there, handed her off. And there was another story. A guy was at Ponce City Market yeah. uh, just having lunch, you know, with my-, my mom, my sister and two of my roommates who were also in med school. And this elderly male, he just collapsed. And this is the middle of a crowded restaurant. And I'm just like, oh, crap. I, you know, spring up. At first, I thought he was having a seizure because we noticed some tremors. And I was talking to the wife. And there was like another former EMT, as he described, that was there. But it was me, my roommates, uh, and the former EMT attended to him. I was talking to the lady, uh, talking to his wife, like, look, does he have any underlying diseases? Take any medications? What were you guys doing before? You know, kind of going through the whole interview process. And she, she said, no, it was perfectly normal. I'm like, oh my God. And then, you know, obviously fell for uh pulse. And then, uh, we tried to sit him up or I didn't try to sit him up because the protocols, if they fall, you keep them down on the ground because yeah. you don't want to. Sit him up right away because obviously if they, you know, have to go into another episode, it could be bad. Or if they had broken any bones or anything, like you just want to keep them down, right? You okay. want to keep them yeah. stabilized, right? stabilize around the ground gradually. So, in quote, former EMT. Actually tried to sit him up. As soon as he tried to sit him up, the eyes roll back. And then the former EMT didn't have his hand behind his, behind his back giving him any support. So the guy fell back and hit his head. And then, <laughs> bro, like, why are you sitting them up? Keep I can see
0: why you're former EMT.
1: Yes. And then the guy goes to start doing chest compressions on him. And the wife is screaming. There's obviously... A bunch, a bunch of, of people, a bunch of people scammering throughout the restaurant, trying to figure out what the hell is going on. And so I look at the EMT I'm like, "Look, let me check for his pulse first, because that's protocol, right?" So I go to the carotid, felt a weak pulse, check the radial, uh, and I looked at my 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 roommate. Hey, I believe what I felt was a pulse on the carotid. Double check that for me. He was like, "Okay, it's weak and collapsible." I'm like, "Okay, this guy's clearly had a pulse." Looked at the former EMT. I was like, "Dude, he's got a pulse. He's got a heart. don't don't crush his rib cage yeah. for the sake of doing it." I'm, even though. Yeah, like, you're supposed to, in all doubt, you're supposed to do it. But if you feel a pulse, that means he's inadequate. Yeah, he's alive. He's alive. So uh, so we prevented him from getting ribcage crushed eventually he was you know he was diaphoretic and he was pale so eventually he came back to and the secret actually that allowed us to have him come back to is i'm like okay well he's no history of seizures he didn't visibly have like a seizure although there's some mild tremors i'm like okay he might be dehydrated it might be some sort of orthostatic hypotension something so he lifted his legs sent the blood back to his heart that can go to his brain and he came back to as soon as we lifted his legs then he came back to and we started talking to him, gave him some water. Paramedics eventually arrived and, you know, he was fine. And uh, he'd mentioned to me when he came back to that he would, you know, have been walking around. It was actually at his like, I think his grandson's softball game. And it was like hot. So he had done a bunch of sweating and like hydrated. So,
0: oh, well, look at that. You're a hero, too. I didn't hear about that part. So if anything, you're a med student, a stud and <laughs> a hero. So
1: thanks, man. So thanks, man. You make me blush. You know, Um I got hero. I, I mean, I'm doing what I would want anyone else to do for my family in that situation
0: well you're doing a wonderful thing and i think this was your calling
1: thanks man ladies and gentlemen welcome to the big dk energy podcast with your lovely eloquent beautiful amazing host danny Carenter and his guest from med school the persian the man the myth the legend Hopefully future doctor, but definitely (laughs) in a lot of debt, Ryan Azar-Kale. How was that?
0: (laughs) Now you made me blush. (laughs) I had to pay it forward. Well, you're doing a fantastic job. Well, hopefully you don't shy away from... This next part, which is actually my favorite part of any big DK energy podcast episode, which is the bonus question round. Hey, let's do it. Ten questions where you don't know about it, but uh they're all appropriate and you will be able to be hired afterwards. So Beautiful. that being said, are you ready, Mr. Azar Kale? I'm
1: ready. Is this is this 21 questions, Danny? Are you It's uh, ten questions. Ten questions, okay So
0: number one, you're playing three versus three with current and former Heat players. Who is on your team? And who are the three you're going against?
1: Oh, all right. So three on my team.
0: No, you're the you're the third. I'm so. the
1: third, so two. I got to go with Dwayne Wade and LeBron James. Smart. You know, you have to. And now who am I playing against? That's a good question. Uh, Okay, this is just for fun's sake, because if you're a true Heat fan, you know this guy. Wang Juju. That was, a, he was like a very tall Asian Heat player. That's like deep in my memory bank. You know, I'd want to play also against like Ronnie Sykley. I think that'd be fun, even though it's a small team. And uh, maybe Gary Payton, just to hear him talk trash.
0: After you guys win,
1: actually, that that was for an easy win. Okay, okay, but if, to make it more competitive, it'd be me, Dwayne, LeBron against Bosh, Shaq, and I'd have Jimmy Butler because I'd want to be competitive. Of course, want to meet those guys. You know,
0: solid answer. Number two. If there's anywhere you want to open a practice, where would it be?
1: Right next to you, DK. <laughs> so it, we have these podcasts every day. Wait, in Orlando? You'd want to go there? Wherever you are. No, Um, anywhere where I can help a lot of people. Uh, Obviously, I find myself like a city person. So maybe like the suburbs somewhere where I can help a host of people. Also, maybe help some underserved people just so that my impact can be felt. Any really. specific city? I obviously like Fort Lauderdale from there. You know, I'd be open to a place like Orlando, a place like Tampa. You know, and I'm also considering places here in georgia so i would love atlanta buckhead maybe a place like lagrange yeah somewhere around those areas okay yeah nice
0: they're all beautiful areas especially
1: buckhead buckhead is gorgeous
0: number three if you could switch bodies with your favorite movie slash tv character and live in their reality who would it be?
1: I'd have to go with Dwayne Wade. This is, uh, I know it's not an original answer, nor is it creative, because I've already doubled down on him twice. But you know, are we say actor, just celebrity in general? Or? Yeah, you know,
0: sure. Dwayne Wade is an acceptable answer, but explain why.
1: Why? Because I'm a huge basketball fan, right? Between all the basketball prowess he has, all, all that he's brought to the sport, he basically, he's got a county named after him, Wade County. Why wouldn't I want that? The championship pedigree, he's dating a beautiful woman gabriella Uni. yeah and obviously all the success in hosting different shows making these tv appearances all those different side gigs
0: and the best part is you get to wake up in his body and his house
1: exactly who wouldn't want that so i guess a second would be a guy like matthew mcconaughey because i've always been a big fan of him as an actor maybe mm. even like bradley cooper other celebrities i don't know, cristiano ronaldo which male guy wouldn't want to be cristiano ronaldo right he gets it all <laughs>
0: number four what is your dream vacation and itinerary?
1: So this is something, it's it's probably not going to blow anyone out of the water only because it's been on my bucket list for so long. And I've seen all my friends go, my family members go, but I haven't been yet to do it. I want to backpack Europe, go through all the European countries, kind of experience that rich history, culture, food.
0: Is there a certain country that you want to go to specifically?
1: So my short list would include Germany, Spain, Italy, Greece, Czech Republic I heard is beautiful. That would encapsulate my European experience. trek, my European trek, my backpacking. Um, Have you ever been to Iran? I've been to Iran. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. I've been to Iran twice. Last time I was there was 2003.
0: That's pretty cool. How is it
1: there? It's actually very, when I was there, it's actually very Westernized. They take pride in enjoying a lot of the same things Americans do. Very progressive culture.
0: Okay. Well, that's good. Cause I remember back in the day when, or not that I remember back in the day, like I was alive, but I remember hearing that they weren't so progressive back then.
1: No, when we say that, it's more in terms of the government, the clerics, the uh, government in the country. It's Fair really enough. Antiquated and old fashioned. The people itself, they they try to be as westernized as possible. Obviously, a lot of things from America huh. are probably, you know, for the most part, not permitted to be there, but they do try to emulate our culture as much as possible. And they appreciate us. They love us. Well, look at that. See, just just
0: to show you that, uh, we really don't know shit until we actually go experience it. Exactly. So number five. If you went out for drinks with three influential figures in your life, not friends or family, who would it be? And you can't say Dwayne Wade. Gotta pick someone no, else.
1: No, I will not say Dwayne Wade. So one would be, I think Einstein. I'd love to pick his brain just to hear some of the things he has to say. The other one would be, I guess, Leonardo da Vinci, uh, just because he was such a huge pioneer and he just invented so many things. He was so groundbreaking on so many different levels. I'm sure a lot of these guys obviously would be kind of eccentric in their own right. That might be yeah. weird, but but Van Gogh, uh, definitely Einstein and maybe a, a, definitely a president to some sort, maybe a guy like Abraham Lincoln. I think that would be amazing just to hear about what life is like for them, some of their struggles or challenges. In the White House too, you know, just yeah,
0: being the most one of the most powerful men in the world.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, and... I, I'm a sucker for history. So uh, as you can tell, all these guys have been long past. So uh, yeah.
0: I respect it. I respect it a lot actually. You know, it's better than like any of the TikTok influencers that some people would say, I think.
1: (laughs) No, I really couldn't tell you any TikTok influencers. Me neither. I am not a Gen Z. Proud millennial over here, guys. Uh, Just Instagram and Facebook for me.
0: Correct. Number six. What is a far-fetched goal of yours?
1: Run for political office. Really? Yeah. That's uh, something that Has been brewing in my mind once I obviously go through my medical career and stuff. Something I would like to do at some point in some fashion. Not sure what yet. Maybe Senate, maybe House of Representatives, maybe something on a lower community scale, smaller community scale. But I do, in some form or fashion, run for politics. Uh, And I think that would be fun, you know, because you want to be able to help change, and implement change, and help affect the community for the better. Correct. I would love to do that, and I've always loved being in there. And as you know, I was former SGA president for my school. That's right. Current clinical science SGA honor council president. So, you know, uh, always have an itch for Leading. representation and, and Leading. service to the people. All right. I love the it. People.
0: Number seven, you are stranded on an island. If you can call in three items to help you out, what would they be?
1: <laughs> Sorry, guys. That was my dog. Uh, <laughs> a boat uh okay satellite phone and unlimited chipotle oh dang
0: okay <laughs> i didn't really put any parameters so i guess uh, yeah i, I mean
1: guess... uh, okay i guess like a
0: fishing pole interesting thing answers i would not have... well the boat and the phone but not the chipotle but hey, yo i
1: throw you a curveball man these questions have been curveballs so you know
0: good well you've been handling them very well number eight What is a favorite medical fact of yours that most people do not know?
1: People do not know. Okay, a couple things. Uh, I had, growing up, I grew up with irritable bowel syndrome.
0: My dad had it too.
1: It sucks. Also, I was, uh, when I went visited Iran in 2003, I was actually exposed to tuberculosis. Oh. So I came back and I got treated for it. So now anytime I go to go get my PPD, it comes back as large because, you know, I have those antibodies in my system it always freaks everybody out so i gotta go get a chest x-ray to prove to people like i've had tv it's been treated but it's not latent it's not active i'm good guys i'm good I'm good all right interesting
0: <laughs> number nine you're on the 50-yard line for the Dolphins with your family. What three celebrities are sitting next to you?
1: Well, for one, you know they're going to be losing. <laughs> Great. <laughs> so be, I'm just joking. Well, what if, it's on, a pa- what if it's
0: a Patriots game, though? So, see, the things that the Patriots, even with Brady, it's like we always had their number.
1: Yeah, you know, we play up to our opponent, and we play down to our opponent. So it's like if our opponent's good, we'll always play good. You know, we always beat the, the people that we're expected not to beat, then, then lose the people we're expected to beat. You know, right. so that's, that's the life. Being a dolphins fan. So who would I be sitting next to? Um, astronomy is always fascinating to me. So Neil deGrasse Tyson would be one. That'd be really cool, actually. That'd be cool, right? I think he's, he's an awesome dude. Elon Musk. I mean, he does get a lot of flack, and I get it. Uh, but I think he'd be a cool guy just to talk to. He's very fascinating. He says some things, you know, very thought-provoking things. So I think it'd be cool to just pick his brain. And then, I don't know, maybe some sort of comedian like Dave Chappelle. Okay, awesome. Actually, and that sounds like a fun crew. Knowing how sorrowful that Dolphins game would be. Only true fans know my cynicism. You need a guy like Dave Chappelle to help booster my I would, booster spirits. You're doing such a great job
0: at um, answering these questions that we're actually at the last question already. Ooh. So this is a question that I ask everybody, but it varies from person to person. And it is, what is your best, most recent accomplishment?
1: Being able to have my family, and I, I know it's not an accomplishment, but like still having my mom and dad around, my sister, being able to have a great support system. That to me in of itself is the greatest accomplishment. That's the biggest gift that anyone could ever give me. I think we're at the age now, now that I'm 31 and they're only getting older. My most recent accomplishment that I'm super proud of as it pertains to my professional and educational development, um, would have to be my research that got published. Really? Yes. Published. Published in a medical journal. Curious.
0: Great. So other med students are going to look at your article while they're <laughs> crying their eyes out.
1: I was crying my eyes out. I was actually. Research- <laughs> well, I was, I was typing the thing. No, I'm the third. I'm the third. Um, I'm the third author on the research article. Nice. Was- Huge accomplishment. It was about a, a case study of uh, the use of ICG angiography in uh, tongue flap for oral surgery reconstruction, and it was uh, really cool because obviously I, re- I composed the discussion, composed the conclusion, and it was cool knowing that. Look, I'm on the, I'm on the cutting edge of medicine, and I'm helping push the envelope on these new principles, these new changes, these new interventions, uh, that sort of thing. And
0: you're so not I'm even pretty a pretty full cool. doctor yet.
1: Yeah, and, and that 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 also is what. I felt like a proud parent, you know, seeing that, <laughs> seeing that come out and being published because opportunities for medical students, especially as third year, uh, well not before three, but the third year at that time, they come so few and far between and it really comes down to who, you know, and networking, things like that. And the right opportunity, just presenting itself, that sort of thing. So everyone at home, don't be afraid to push yourself outside of your comfort zone. Don't be afraid to network. Uh, don't be afraid to ask and put yourself out there uh because you know the harder you work the luckier you get but i felt like a proud parent so it was cool seeing that go out there and couldn't be more proud of uh seeing that come together Wow, that is that's fucking cool as heck thanks man well it's cool uh being part of it
0: well it stressful well hopefully you enjoyed being part of this because we were actually at the end of the episode
1: ah uh, all right well danny k first and foremost really goes out saying thank you for having me. Thank, thank you for th- including me. Thank you for joining us. And yeah, my pleasure man, anytime, you know. Um, I loved every bit of this and thank you guys for allowing me this opportunity to join Danny K and and uh, being here and contributing. Excellent. Was great time. I had a fun time.
0: So, Ryan, I brought you on the show today because I knew you were very well-versed in the world of being a med student. But today, not only did you talk about the process of becoming a med student, which could possibly help out our viewers, but, you know, you also gave examples of, like, you know, what kind of fields to go into and gave some great anecdotes of what it's like being in it, especially saving a couple people's lives. So just educating us and just enlightening us with your information. Those are the reasons that I think you, Ryan Kale, have big DK energy.
1: <laughs> Thanks, man. It's an honor to have this big DK energy and for you to uh, bestow, it bestow upon me, you. bestow this big DK energy upon me. I appreciate it. It's, it was a pleasure, man. It was fun. I had a good time. And uh, definitely, if you ever have any questions... Don't hesitate to reach out.
0: So if any of you have uh, questions regarding med school or anything medical related, we're actually going to drop his uh, social media links in the description box below. And uh, before we head out, is there anything else you want to say or promote?
1: I just want to say this, guys. stay positive. What you get out of life is what you put in. So I've always been a firm believer, you know, the harder you work, the luckier you get. Follow your dreams. Things don't happen overnight, but you know, as long as you continue to work hard, they eventually fall into place. And that happened, that's what happened with me in med school. It's what happened with me, everything. And life is a funny way of working out. So don't ever be too hard on yourself. Roll with the punches. Excellent.
0: Bye. Well, great advice. And with that all being said and done, I'm Danny Carenter of the Big DK Energy Podcast, Uh, signing off.
1: Thank you guys. Have a good night.